0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cody Smith, founder of Virtuous Fitness and Virtuous Grappling. Each week, we're bringing you new episodes focusing on fitness, nutrition, grappling, personal development, business, and much more. It's my mission to give you the information and tools you need to optimize your life through our Create Yourself mindset. If you enjoy this show, be sure to give it a rating and review on whatever platform you use, and be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. All right, what's going on, you guys? And welcome back to the Virtuous Coach Podcast. In today's episode, we've actually got a recording that we did for a good friend of mine, Travis Model. He is the host of the Elbows Tight Podcast. Make sure to check him out and give him a subscribe as well. But again, this is a conversation we had. We discussed, this is a just a deep dive on creating excellence around coaching, specifically coaching grappling. And then we, did, we talked a little bit about coaching fitness as well. But a little background on Travis and I, he came... To me, Back in like 2014, 2015, he was a young Navy guy just getting ready to get out. Ended up coaching on our team for a little bit. And then throughout that, discovered that when we opened our grappling gym, he just discovered a love for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Ended up starting a podcast a few years ago, and he's got a crazy guest list. He's been podcasting consistently for a few years. And he asked me to come on the show a few weeks ago, and we jumped on. We actually recorded it sitting right on the mat at Virtuous Grappling. And then uh, I just enjoy the conversations. Always love having opportunities to chop it up with other podcasters, just because the it seems like you can just talk for hours. But again, we talk about creating excellence around coaching, specifically around grappling. We talk a little bit about fitness. We go into discussing how we plan our sessions and how we plan our curriculum, and then kind of the current concept that we believe that we're blazing the trail on here at Virtuous Grappling. But again, awesome conversation uh, do me a favor real quick. If you get any sort of value from this show, best way to help us is to either give us a five star rating and review on wherever you're listening to this from, but you can also just simply take a screenshot on your phone and then just make sure to tag both Travis and I in it. He is at elbows tight on Instagram and I am at coach Cody Smith. Again, you can tag us, post up that screenshot and then, uh, Again, without any further ado, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and get this show rolling. Thank you for being here, and I will talk to you guys on the next episode.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elvis Type Podcast, or The Virtuous Coach, wherever you're listening. Yeah, wherever you're coming out <laughs> from, you know what I mean? <laughs> Brother, it's been like three and a half years. Is that, you that the were last like, time we podcasted? E- yeah, I think you were like episode three of the podcast. Dude, I'm like an OG on your podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot has changed yeah, since for sure. since then. So
0: I gotta say, can I say something before we get started too? Uh I gotta say, like I'm super proud of you. Like I remember when you started this thing, like at the time, like I was really into podcasting. I was like my podcast was growing like crazy. It was. I was just kind of in like the this this season of life where like I wanted to push super hard on like online stuff. And um when you were starting yours like, I always admired, like, how much effort you put into the show. So you guys listening to the show, like, we were just talking about it last night after we got done training, like, how much time and effort you put into this podcast. And as, a, as an outside person sitting on the outside – I wanted to save this for the show today <laughs> – as an outside person sitting – you know, like seeing this from afar, it's been really cool to like watch not only your growth as a person and as a father and as a husband, all those types of things, but also as like seeing you step into this, like, especially now the podcast is all yours, just to see your growth inside of that. And your knowledge is like incredible. I even, it like probably like is like, you know, 10 times more than I know about podcasting and stuff. Now it's incredible to watch. And like, it's been really cool to see you grow this thing, man. So uh, I even appreciate being back on the show again. I know I was an OG and it was probably cool to have me <laughs> back on there back then, but now I'm just a, you know, a guy running a business. So yeah, like I said, man, very cool. Very proud of you. It's been cool to watch.
1: No, I appreciate that, man. And, and you definitely, um, you know, cause you had started podcasting before I did mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, Virtuous, or what was it back in the day? It was
0: uh, the Create Yourself podcast. Yeah, the
1: Create Yourself podcast. You know, you were doing twice a week, and I remember you were like, "I gotta, I'm putting out two episodes a week." And that's I was a lot. like, "I was like, bro, that's I'm doing once yeah. every two weeks at that time." And I was like, "Yo, I applaud you for yeah. for the effort that you were putting in, and you know, it inspired me to keep going." And then, you know, now the podcast is at the point like after John left. Um, it's at the point now where I feel like it's so much bigger than me. You know what I mean? So it's like there's so many people that listen to it and look for value from the guest I bring on or what I have to say. And, and my journey alone is kind of hard to to stop now. It's like so much more than just mm. me chit-chatting with my yeah. friends. I mean, it's still pretty much the same thing. Sure. But now I have a little bit more of a following. So it's, it's harder it's, to turn that thing off. It's harder to turn the thing off. And, you know, um, one of my goals this year was to... Try to be like crowdfunded as much as possible through oh, cool. my audience, and not to take on sponsorships. Uh, just simply because, like, when it when it comes to like sponsors and people putting money towards me to promote something, then there's the obligation of I have to do it, mm-hmm. and then it gets uh it's hard because it's like I don't really have anything to say this week, but I need to find something because yeah. I have I have it's you know forced. financial obligations to. Put an episode out this mm-hmm. week, so it's a uh, it's been a journey. Um, but it's it's crazy to think it's coming up on five years now.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It's like literally, like as my show was growing, I just got to a point where I was like, I, I literally can't. I don't yeah. have the time. I like, uh, and and I probably you're, you're much more. I feel like efficient with the way that you do things with like your video and stuff like that. I. I never really adopted that. I've always kind of just been the guy that's like, I'm going to, I'm going to force it forward basically. And I think that hurt me in the long run to where like, even now just getting one episode out a week is very, very challenging, but I do enjoy a podcast. So it's like, and I got this cool podcast recording stuff that I can't just like (laughs) not use, you know, but, um, so, like I said, I, I, I love watching what you're doing with it, man. I appreciate it. It actually re after a conversation we had, it re motivated me to launch mine again and to, um, at, at a very, at the bare minimum, get one episode out a week. I used to like record them on my phones and get them out really fast, yeah. and spend hours, and that time just isn't there anymore. But, um, yeah, man. Very cool, dude. I'm, I'm no, cool. I appreciate cool that. To watch it.
1: I appreciate that. And today, what I want to talk about is kind of like we just uh, mentioned, like the evolution of the podcast. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about like the evolution of your coaching, my coaching, just mm-hmm. coaching in general. Yeah. Because, you know, I started coaching, when did I move here? 2014. So probably 2015 is when I started coaching on the CrossFit side and like sure. weightlifting and whatnot. And to me, coaching is like, it's 100% a skill. Right. And to anyone, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are blue belts and whatnot. And once you get to blue belt, you're pretty much, you can become a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can start teaching jujitsu, at least the bare, bare minimum fundamentals sure. and whatnot. Like I got to do the fundamentals for a little bit before I had to switch my schedule <clears throat> and seeing just like how much I've changed from being a CrossFit coach in that short stint as a jujitsu coach is like very intriguing to me to see just my evolution and then watching you obviously over the years how big you've built this mm-hmm. as a business and everything like that and we can get into that too and just how you how you've like grown as a coach is like really inspiring also because mm-hmm. obviously you're like one of my mentors like Appreciate one of my that. best friends and whatnot and i look up to you quite a bit so i just wanted to like hear how things have changed and also you know you've been going through a lot with like the ecological dynamics like henna gracie oh like you're gosh. just trying to go back and forth and just find your voice yeah. so let's start off like when you first started coaching you know you started coaching crossfit Uh, or MMA, like, what was it like? Who are you emulating? Who did you find, draw inspiration from in order to to hopefully have someone learn from what you were saying?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when I initially started coaching, I wanted to, like, I wanted to do something different from things that I had always, it's just like now with like some of the leadership stuff that I'm really diving into, it's like, I wanted to be a coach that I never had. Um, So I think initially there was, it was like I had like an ongoing identity crisis for the first few years because there was nobody, there was nobody at the time in the CrossFit space that I had come in contact with that like because even from the very beginning I, I knew CrossFit was my thing it was the thing that I loved the most but at the same time I, I felt like just being a, a CrossFit coach. Like I just, it's just what I do. I just teach that methodology. You know, it's, I don't go any deeper than that. Like I don't get any, get into any of the mindset stuff or any, any of the but under, you know, behind closed door stuff. Like I don't get into, into any of that. Like I've always like struggled with leaving that alone because like real change didn't come until like I did dive into the, mm-hmm. some of that stuff with people. So I think for me, like it was this ongoing identity crisis for the first few years. Cause I was trying to find out find my voice, find my, the way that I want to do things. And and it took me a good period of time to really understand like, like who I was, like, am I the technique guy? Like, am I the, am I the programming guy? Am I the, am I the, the deep rooted mindset guy? And I think for me, like I've really landed on like, as of late, like I want to be the experienced guy because I've kind of come to this place where it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, there's that saying of like, people don't care. Uh, how much you know this, want to know that you care. I forget who originally said that, but uh, I always kind of go back to that. It's like at the end of the day, I want people to... I want to give them as much as I possibly can, not bore them, but it has to be an experience that they keep coming back to. And I think early on, I was kind of doing that without doing it on purpose. And now I very much so am very purposeful in my approach to making sure that this is an enjoyable experience. I I, I tell my my coaches over there, like, dude, this needs to be a a show. This is a freaking concert, dude. Like they're coming in here. They're looking to
1: best hour of their day, bro. For
0: sure. But, but, but more than that, like, like best hour of their week. Like I want them to think every time they come in, they're like, man, that was incredible. Like what a great time. And I, and I think about it in jujitsu now is like, um, I, I have, and this is just me being very transparent with with your audience and with you. Like I have a daily imposter syndrome with jujitsu because there are people in our gym right now that I would, I would argue are probably more knowledgeable than me. So there's always this thing of like, man, am I saying something wrong? <clears throat> is there something technically that I'm off with here? But at the end of the day, like, if if I just can kind of revert back to, like, I studied, I'm prepared, I have dived as deep as I possibly could into this thing. <clears throat> I'm not putting it together when I get here. Um, and I'm trying to make sure that everybody here gets better at jiu-jitsu today. Um, if I can just kind of revert back to that and remember that, like, sure, if I forget a grip position or to turn my hips a certain way, like, I came from a lens of I was as prepared as I possibly could, and I gave my absolute best on the floor that day. Then it doesn't matter if somebody in the room is critiquing how I'm showing something, because like I'm not coming from the intention of like this unprepared, uh, like not caring person. I'm coming through this lens of like I want this to be the best freaking class that I can give this person in this 60-minute time block. And if I fall short, I know that I've given it my all, and and I know for a fact based off of all the other coaches, probably people you've been around in the past, like that is more. Than what a lot of people, at least in the in the, in the the grappling industry, can say.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to talk about too, because I definitely have noticed, like when Sean's... for people at home that don't know, Sean, our instructor, he has wrestling season. He takes a complete mm-hmm. step away. I feel like it happens. There's been so many times that, out, out inadvertently and advertently, I guess yeah. you could say that this has happened. But uh, I did notice, like once Sean came and he took his first like step away for wrestling season bro you were like if i to be honest with you, i was like cody has no voice right now he is like struggling to find out how the hell to do this mm-hmm. and it like last night's class i was i was thinking on my way home i was like that was a good class like that was solid you mm-hmm. know what i mean like there was no point to where i felt like you were you're like second guessing yourself even when you you caught on some to something like I even asked a question you're like that's a good point like you I think know, I like, had to do it again to see yeah. what I did right yeah yeah Yeah, and I think I think that just comes with experience because I know when I first started coaching the fundamentals I was like bro like Keegan will show up Jack will show up you oh. know and I'm like I'm like these <laughs> guys are guys crushing know, they me know stuff. yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah yeah Yeah, and I, I would like to think like um just because of like jiu-jitsu is pretty much my life outside of you know, my family and work mm-hmm. because of the podcast and jujitsu sure. and making content that I still like to know that I know, you know, a good amount of stuff, but then there's obviously levels to everything. Yeah. So when it came to coaching, uh, the fundamentals, I was like, I have to be a hundred percent ready to the, like, to your point Gotta to be the prepared. best of my ability, bro. Right. Because, uh, failing to prepare it is preparing, preparing to fail. Right. So I was like, not knowing something doesn't doesn't make me scared, right? It's okay yeah. to not know something. Like I tell my kids all the you time. You don't know like, what you don't a, know. You don't know what you don't know. It's okay. And if someone says like, hey, it's supposed to be this way, you have to be humble enough to accept that and be like, okay, that. thank you for that, sure. you know? Um, but not being prepared scares me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like stepping on the mat and be like, what the hell am I supposed to teach you today? You know what I
0: think is like really set up a lot of, like, and I can only, ex- I, guys, I can only speak from what I've experienced in the, in, in like the, the, the arena of jujitsu is like, I think there's always kind of been this thing to where like jujitsu instructors act as if like there is a sing- singular way of doing something yeah, or, agree. or like, you know, that's wrong. And I'm like, well, I've done it this way hundreds of times to people. So is it wrong or is it just different? You know? So like I've always, and, and now like I, even when I'm explaining stuff to people, I like, I say, guys, I really struggle with saying like, this is the way to do something. Um, it kind of goes back to like when you're doing content, like you never want to tell people what they should do. You want to tell people what you've done. Right. So I like, I really go through the lens of <clears throat> Now I say things like, this is how I would typically approach X, Y, Z situation. But, you know, with you being shorter, with you being taller, like these sort yep. of things can be, which is like why ecological dynamic stuff was like, or the ecological approach or the restrained led approach, like that was so like, um, attractive to me. It was just cause like, man, like they're, they're speaking to my mind that I've always, cause even sometimes if I've seen techniques, I've gone to seminars, I went to a, a Ribeiro brother seminar one time and like, they showed some stuff and like everybody's soaking it up and like, none of it worked for me. And like somebody would tell me listening to this, well, you probably weren't doing something wrong. And I'll tell you what, like I've always been pretty detail oriented down to as much as I can possibly <laughs> yeah. like absorb. And, you know, maybe I'm six foot five and the way that they place their hips and their feet just don't, ain't gonna work for me. So yeah. um, so now when I really explain that is like the 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 struggle of for years and years, black belts, you know, all the way from like Brazilian black belts, even some now, maybe some you've interviewed who think they're like, there's a certain way to do things. I'm just, I know in, in fitness, which I've coached in for 10 years and now I've coached jujitsu consistently for about six years. Like there's, there tends to never be a singular, there is a more right than wrong way, which in my coaching, my instructing, I try to be more right than wrong. Um, but like there's never just a single way though. Yeah. And, and I think like we were maybe initially for me it was like when, when Sean came, he was so good. He was better than any instructor I'd ever seen any instructor I'd ever, I'd ever spoken with or like interacted with. And like, I felt so fortunate to be able to learn from him and to be able to absorb things from him. And it identified this large gap in my instructing and my, the way that I would deliver a session and it. And at that time, initially, like I, I was like, dude, I got to level up or I'm gonna lose my people because he just, he cast this shadow that was so, so wide and so broad that it was like, if I don't, if I don't level up, because truly in the past, like I would just kind of go off of things that I would see or things that I would remember. And like, um, I, I would, basically do technique of the day in class and didn't really think too much about like well so now like when i view growth in jujitsu i think there's self-study there's exploration and then there's technique of the day from the gym right i think there's like this this triad of how you grow like i was only doing technique of the day so when i came in i need to start coaching i was like oh my gosh like I gotta like know a lot of stuff, yeah. so I kind of went back to like, well, I just gonna be a chapter ahead of everybody, yeah, right. And then, and then a lot of instructors will poo-poo on instructionals and and you know things that like BJJ fanatics has, Some of your guys like you know Pressinger and some of his like membership stuff. And I'm like, man, like that's like sitting in at a seminar anytime you want to. Yeah. So I'm gonna really dive into literally content. Like I'm, you know, we're going through arm bars right now. Like I was studying that for like the last six weeks, and like then I'm gonna be going to X guard. Like I'm already starting to study that, even though I'm showing. So it's like I'm already making sure that I am prepared, and I've got as much of the variances of these things understood so that I can field a question, or maybe I need to feel out and just see what happens. But it's always going to revert back to, like, there's not one way to do anything. There's multiple ways to do anything. Here's how I believe is an, an effective way of doing X, Y, Z, technique, move, whatever.
1: Yeah, the, and I wanted to bring up something. That's why I brought this book is because <coughs> it leads into, I'm reading uh, Show Your Work, if you guys haven't read Great this book. at home, Great by book. Austin... Cleon, 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 and one thing he talks about is, and you just alluded to it right there, is everyone's an amateur. Even even professionals are somewhat amateurs, right? Just because you get paid to do something doesn't sure. mean like you're professional. And amateurs are open-minded, right? And something that they said uh, is amateurs might lack formal training, but they are. Uh, all lifelong learners and they make a point to learn in the open so that others can learn from the failures and successes. If that's not (laughs) jujitsu,
0: that's it. That's it. What is jujitsu? Right. right. (laughs) That that is
1: page 16 of show your work. Um, And when I read that, uh, I was like, bro, It's so true because I'm even open with my successes and failures like this. Like I told you last night on my last episode for 2023, I even opened up about my financial gains within the the podcast. And I think transparency is great and letting people know like, hey, these are where you can do good and this is where I've done bad because – to your point also, jujitsu jitsu techniques, like it's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Like you have to try, you have to fail, you have to figure out what works for you. And that's one thing that, you know, like ecological dynamics, when, you know, Keegan and Jack don't like it. And I'm not 100% sold on it either, but I do th- find as someone that only gets to train a very limited time. Sure. And I don't, I can't dedicate a whole lot of time to instructionals or anything like that because I got kids running around or, you know, I can't sit there and like yeah. <laughs> focus completely. I find that, you know, Doing an hour of jujitsu from start to finish is very beneficial for someone that has very limited time. You know what I mean. And that was something that we we've been talking about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm I I listen to you know Rob Gray, his podcast. I've read both his books and so, or listened to both his books. Yeah. And uh, it's been that's been very interesting to me. And I can see why you know some people are for and against it because you know it's like, like CrossFit when CrossFit first came out on the scene, everyone was like. That's stupid. Why mm-hmm. would you do that? You know, why would you throw heavy barbell movements into a high intensity workout and it's like, well, this is why. You but know you know, know but mean?
0: then but then it swung one way. Mm-hmm. Right. So here, here's my problem with <clears throat> ecological dynamics and with even that like so to the CrossFit comment. You know, when CrossFit came into the industry, everybody said that's stupid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not gonna work. Well it totally works. But then it kinda went the other way to where like, Well, CrossFit's all you should be doing. I'm like, Well, no, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know that, that should be true either. So that's my struggle with like ecological stuff is just the and and I'll kind of and I'll kind of tell your listeners like who like what we've been doing for our curriculum for any instructors that are kind of watching this but the the struggle with like full- on ecological is like because if, if I think of like for me well I've got a little bit more time to train, I get a lot from like a technique, but it can't be too much like, mm-hmm. you can't show me five techniques in a thing as, as a as almost a black belt like I' We'll see. It's so crazy to hear. Which is nuts. It, you know, Sean told me whispering my ear a little sweet nothing. Little, and little I was like, I don't want it, bro. Hold on to it. I'm good. We're good. <laughs> that means I have to coach more. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> um, but but to that point, is like they the the ecological guys are saying that's the only way you should do it. And then the technique drilling. so then the technique guys are like, all you need is bet really good technique. And then you got your drilling crowd who are like, just do things hundreds of thousands of times. And I'm like, well, I don't know that from from being in a coaching industry for this long, I don't know that any of those are the right way. Right. What if, like, you know, and and then somebody would argue, well, is there a right way per person? Fitness is completely individual. Is jiu-jitsu learning completely individual? Probably, Absolutely. Probably, I, I right? think so. So it's like, okay, with all of these different realms, like, it, even to my class last night, right, like, there was live at the end, kind of ecological, maybe a little loose on some of my restraints in the, in the positional sparring time of the day. But like, you know, we did some technique in the beginning. It was a Mm -hmm. lot of moving. It was a lot of doing less instruction. Then I got into some instruction and then I did some, uh, positional like ecologically, ecologically minded thought or or minded drills at the very end. So it was like, okay, I'm trying to give the whole spectrum and all of my things now I'm doing it in fundamentals too. So it's like, I'm not completely sold on one thing in fitness. Like, You want to hear my inappropriate analogy for how I explain fitness? By all means. Okay, so I I literally tell this to new clients. It's super funny because it makes them laugh, and then they're like, oh, man, this dude's kind of funny. So I say, um, if a bodybuilder, a CrossFitter, an Olympic lifter, a powerlifter, an endurance athlete, a gymnast, a bodyweight specialist, like all the things in the world got together, and there was this wild party, and they were drinking way too much beer, and they had a baby. That's what kind of what my gym is, and they laugh. But I'm like, but they get it. They're like, yeah. oh, wow, he's saying that they do everything. They're kind of they're a they're a hybrid of all these things. And I think for jujitsu, that's where that's where I'm driving us right now. We will. I don't. In the past, you you asked me earlier, like what where would I get inspirations from? I you know the cook versus chef analogy. I was very much like a cook. I would look around and just kind of see what everybody was doing, and I would like essentially copy the recipe. Whereas now. I still look around. I still shop. I'm still looking for inspiration. But it's because I'm trying to make my own recipe. I'm like, well, let me take a little bit of this, you know, a little bit of garlic and a little bit of onion powder and some, some paprika. and let, let, Let's put all this stuff together and let's make a new recipe yeah. maybe that hasn't been done. Because, like, the minute I'm in line with what everybody else is doing, like, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like everybody else. So you ask me, like, if I'm looking around at what other people are doing, yeah, to a point but I was trying to find my own, my own identity in that. And truly when I stopped my podcast, one of the reasons, cause I'm like everybody else. Yeah. I'm just doing interviews. I'm asking the same questions everybody else has. Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel like unique. And I think, um, to, to, to give you some more props again, like I've drawn inspiration in how you, like I, I go and I listen to your podcast and like lately I feel like you've been sharing a lot of like, just your, like your documenting. And Gary Vee always says like, don't create document right? Yeah. Or, or don't, I think that's what he said. Yeah. Something to the tune of, like, just show what you're doing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I totally got into, like, everything had to be, like, put up and, and, and propped up as this. It was, it was this, this thing versus, like, just sharing what you do. Yeah. Right? So, like, I think that's where, I think that's the, um, that's the chefing and podcasting the, the same way that mixing things together in jiu-jitsu would be the same thing. It's like, I'm just mixing it, trying to make my own recipe, and I want to do something different. I don't want to look like everybody else. I want yeah. you to come here and be like, you guys charge how much? Well, this much. Well, like, why do you charge more than everybody else? Because I'm better than everybody else. Boom. Gotcha. I try harder than everybody else, yeah. right? Like, we are more prepared than everybody else. You're never going to get an instructor who just walks in here that, like, you know, thought about what he was going to do two minutes before. And it's like, no, nah, dude, we're I'm thinking about what we're doing four weeks from now. Yeah. Keegan's already trying what he's going to be showing two weeks from now. You know, like, we're already, we're working, we're mapping, and we've got this hive mind thing going right now to where it's like, well, four, jujitsu instructors coming together on one curriculum is better than one doing it by himself. So that's kind of where I'm at to answer that, to kind of go into that a little bit no and I and looking
1: back you know when you started talking about the henner Gracie and how they they run their their academies and whatnot and and uh at first I was like I' was like I don't know man because I don't feel like I, it was hard it was hard for me to to get behind it at first, because I was like, I don't know, man, I just feel like, you know, there's like this stigma that comes with like Gracie Jiu-Jitsu nowadays, because they're, you know, very traditional in the way that they are.
0: With their 600 students and very successful w- w- j- <laughs> I was about to say, right. And I was about to
1: say, it's like the same thing with Gracie Baja. When I, I interviewed uh, Mike Bates over in the UK, who rode across the Atlantic Ocean by himself, right? And uh, he's a Gracie Baja affiliate. And he's like, he's like, I love Gracie Baja. He's like, I have 350 students. He's like, there was no way I was going to get this done by myself. He's Mm -hmm. like, they have the tools and the system put in place to where anyone can be successful underneath them. And so as a business owner, I can completely see why, you know, going 100% eco is, might not be beneficial. Uh, And if you guys want to disagree with us, by all means, let us know down in the comments below, but how it might not be beneficial to your academy, right? Because I mean, where granted once again eco's still relatively new and this is me not bashing on them but it's hard to find a super popular you know hundreds and if there is out there let let us know too success
0: leaves clues yeah right like how many like most of the biggest gyms in the world have like a soft landing for new faces yeah right like and if we're going to be like i'm I'm a big faith guy right like you know this about me now for the past few years but like as a, as a Christian man, like I'm an ambassador for Jesus, right? Like if you look at me and I'm this cowardly, weak, you know, uh, feminine man, and I'm telling you how, like about the, the, the gospel that is, you know, Christ and you're, and you're looking at me like, I want nothing of what you got, right? Like, um, like am I being the proper ambassador for, for that? The same way with jujitsu is like, what's the goal of jujitsu? A lot like Christianity, we want to spread it. We want to get more pre- more people involved. We want to we want to make it more accessible to people. But here we are, and, and I grouped myself into this because I was that too. Like here we are a few years ago, like getting almost elitist. Yeah. To where it's like well, CrossFit not, was like, the same way, totally. It, which CrossFit is why I was, changed. Which yep. is why I changed, right? So and it's I think
1: like, why a lot of people have changed from the
0: for sure because I, I think CrossFit the got is behind to, that right yeah. now. Yeah. Like they're like, well, it's totally elitist.
1: Yeah. And Because I, I think CrossFit, people would see the name CrossFit and they would get intimidated by it because of all the videos on social media, Jiu-jitsu's the CrossFit like games. Oh, 100%. Like yeah. And I, I think it's better than it was. It My name was. doesn't even say
0: Jiu-Jitsu anymore.
1: That, right. And that, we'll get to that too. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because the same thing why it's virtuous fitness now, right? It's because um, it's more of a welcoming thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Same with like instead of saying virtuous BJJ, it's kind of grouping you into mm-hmm. – something that you know good or bad you're now you're tied to it yeah kind of like crossfit when greg greg had that all that drama people were like dropping the crossfit don't want to be associated with Mm -hmm. this you know what i mean and so that was interesting too and but it's it's i don't know it's it's kind of it's cool to see how much has changed in such a short time uh that we've been over here, right? Because when we first started, it was it was Gracie Online. You know, we we'd have it up on the TV that was yeah. over there, the little mat, mm-hmm. and we'd be like, okay, what are we doing today? Yeah. And then you'd come in and we teach it. And I thought that was great, yeah. still, because I mean, everyone was starting off brand new, so learning I the fundamentals. That what we needed at that time. Oh, one hundred percent, right? But and like you mentioned earlier, I don't think there is a one size fit all, one technique to coaching everything. Um, and I may come off like I'm a hundred percent. I want to do a hundred percent ecological. No, I just want to implement it more because I just see so much value in it mm-hmm. from my point of view. Sure. But I think, I think as long as we are doing jujitsu, like that's good. Yeah. Like as long as you know, to me, where when what does everyone say you learn the most is sparring, right? Mm-hmm. Like the live action of jujitsu with real resistance. I think that's like for advance. I don't know necessarily for fundamentals. If that's great, I think it has to be eased into it. Maybe short rounds or I can see like
0: certain times where like the, the, like the eco sparring stuff matters. Yeah. Um, I mean, to use our gym as an example, like when we did eco, our fundamentals program fell apart. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't something you did. It wasn't something that, like that anybody else who coached you did. It was like, like kind of me as the leadership, like I, I set us up there, like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And it's like, then that program kind of died. And now since we've, Kind of revamped the fundamentals a little bit of a softer landing. Um, people are are like coming in here not getting scared off day one. Like people are sticking a little bit, so it's like it was kind of this cool change, which came from listening to that Hinter podcast. Um, and, and to your point about like how we've always kind of changed and evolved over the years, like if if there's anything you can trust about me, and, and I'm I'm sure you've known me for quite some time now, like you've probably seen is like I am always going to be open to change. I am always going to move forward in a in a in a growth minded direction in some way, shape or form. I may not make the best decisions all the time, but I'm not scared of making a decision and you will always see growth inside of something that I'm gonna be attached to. Um, so that's something that I've, I've looked at with grappling and stuff like that. I was like, hey man, we're, we're gonna fail forward and when we find our rhythm, just like when I found my rhythm in the gym, this will be the same way. And then I'm not going to be the – because I used to be the little fitness gym that everybody would be like, oh, yeah, that's that little gym that's in that racquetball court. Now it's like, dude, you see what Cody's doing now? Like, it's, And then it's there was even different. the
1: point where we were, like, super competitive the whole mm-hmm. school or the whole gym. We were the media gym. gym. Yeah, we were like – we'd go to local competitions or even, you know, local P&W competitions, mm-hmm. and we'd, like, pretty much win or mm-hmm. dominate or get in the top three, and, sure. you know. And then there was, like, that whole, like – okay, now we have a competition class. Now Mm -hmm. there's, I felt like there was like a little bit of like segregation between members of like, oh, these are, people on this side of the gym are the ones that are RXing. That's the scary scary side. Yeah, yeah. and as a coach, I would hear people be like, I don't want to go over there. That's where all the badasses are. And like, no, they're just people that want to go harder. Mm -hmm. But there was the whole perceived like elitism, elitism, elitum, elitum. I can't, I can't say, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes. And I think that can happen in jiu too. Sure. I definitely think if, if someone were to come into an advanced class and the coach is very militant, you know, like yelling at people, driving us into the dirt, mm-hmm. you know, I think that can cause anyone that's not a meathead to be like,
0: uh, this might not be for yeah, me, it man. It scares them off, right? Yeah. And and it's like if we're gonna again back to the ambassador thing, if we're gonna be ambassadors of jujitsu, like it's gotta be it's gotta be something that people are gonna wanna do and that people are gonna actually do. And I understand like you know, there there's there's probably guys that listen to your show that either go to a gym that is maybe more competi competition minded or um maybe a little bit more of like an abrasive environment and it could be successful. Um, but I guarantee that same gym likely has been about that same size for a period of time um, I guarantee that like the, the, the culture there isn't nearly as connected, you know, which are the things that matter to me. Like if I've got a bunch of people competing, but they're like, people come here sometimes that are competition minded and they kind of spin out and they end up not staying here. And, and I, I view that as like, well, my culture doesn't fit them. And that's great. Um, but it's because like, I want this to be a, an environment that is welcoming to people so that I can actually have the opportunity to reach people and to show them Jiu-Jitsu. And I don't get that opportunity if I kind of turn into the the elitist, like more abrasive environment. That's just my opinion. That's not right. Again, the same way there's no one way to do Jiu-Jitsu. I'm assuming there's probably no one way to do business, but what I have seen thus far in my ownership of, you know, two businesses and then coaching other people who have businesses, that tends to be more right than it is wrong, if that makes sense. So how do
1: you, as a coach, business owner, you know, how do you know if, if it's time to switch something because it's not working or that you're not giving it enough time to work itself out?
0: Good question. I don't know if there's a right answer there. I think generally, generally a few months for most things will show, will show you its true colors, right? Or at least give you – so I track data like, like crazy. Like I, have, I keep data on people that come in the door versus people that stay, people that set appointments versus people that actually show up to those appointments. Average time a person spends with us, average attendance. Like I, t- I, I track all of these things. So when we insert a new a change into something, I start watching my numbers a ton. I do it with fitness, right? So when I start to see a downward trend, not just a good month, a bad month, but when I see a downward trend across like two th- – so to answer your question, I don't know that there's one way, but I watch trends in my data, and I just kind of see – what's going on with that data. And generally that helps me rather than making an emotional decision about like a change in our curriculum or a change in our offering, whatever it may be. um, I rely more on like, what are the numbers saying? Because like that tends to be more wrong than right. So or more right than wrong. So um, to answer that question, I think there's probably no like specific time, but I operate in a, in a data and like a data and feel based environment to give the best grasp on things that I can.
1: How do you develop that feel? Because it's not like it's going to happen, you open the doors. Experience. And you know what I mean? Experience,
0: right? I mean, I, I would say back when the gym was ran by other people, I didn't have that feel. Now I, I feel like I have a really good finger on the pulse of both sides of my business, right? And now I can, it's almost like you can, you know, sometimes when you're in an environment and you can feel like energy shift across oh, like yeah. days and weeks and stuff like that, like I feel I can feel that energy shift and it's kind of like, it's hard to explain like what it looks like. And again, I can see it in numbers, but like the feel, it's just, it's just something you can, it's just this gut feeling that you get. And I've always really tried to live on that gut, like that gut, like that when I get a gut feeling, making a decision off of that, rather than like being an emotionally charged to do something, the data has been something the past few years that I've kind of leaned on to, to help me navigate that gut feeling. so I don't know if that's like the, the exact answer. Just because I don't want to sit here and lie and be like, oh, I, I two weeks. I, I just I don't know. I don't know. I'll go off field. I'll look at my numbers, and then I decide based off of that. But when I see a downward trend for the period of a few of a few months, and it's not just like I had a bad month. It's like consistently down or consistently up. Then I'll make a change based off of that.
1: When, when did you start embracing, like, the humility of knowing that you, as a coach and as a business owner, you don't know everything? Because I know when you first start, that could be a very hard totally. – you could be super egotistical, like, this is my business. No one's going to tell me how to run it. No one's going to tell me how to coach. Like, when did, when did you start, like, shit, man, maybe I should start listening to other people?
0: I've had a healthy fear of failure, as in, like um, – I actually heard Kevin Hart talk about this recently on the Joe Rogan podcast. He said he wakes up every day feeling, like, the life that he lives – it's like he's going to be found out, and it's going to be taken from him. I've always kind of operated there. Um, maybe I'd say about two years in, I started to feel like I could lose it all because then I started to have something that was worth losing. For
1: the CrossFit side when you first started yeah, Seven yeah, Cities?
0: Yeah. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, I instantly knew when the Jiu-Jitsu gym opened that I didn't, I didn't know enough, and it was just like one big experiment. For me in my setup, I was fortunate enough to where fitness made enough financially for me to make the big mistakes over here. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say very early, very early on, like a year or two in, I was like, man, I don't know anything. Like,
1: I think I think the the big thing too with like, and we've we've seen it through uh, fake coaches and and whatnot. I think jujitsu has the ability to show you right away. You know what I mean? Like, there's no there. You, it's hard to fake it mm-hmm. when it when it comes to coaching jujitsu. Totally. As to where on the fitness side, you can use big words and like kind of. Read, read an Instagram story real quick and then come in and talk about something and it's a lot easier to to make it seem like you know more than you do just so
0: you got to practice the thing you got to look like you've actually done the technique before right because if
1: you get in front of class and you're like this is how we're going to do an arm bar and then everyone's like he didn't even do an arm bar that was an omoplata like <laughs> yeah, what are you talking right, about right. you know what I mean like it's it's much easier to to get get found out mm-hmm. you know and that's one thing that I worry about too with the podcast is I'm like oh my god when is there going to be the day where someone like they're like they f- I found something on Travis. It's like this is not he's not real, but I'm. His I deep tra- Reddit thread. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but I'm as I, I try to be as real as possible. Totally. You know what I mean? And I think people gravitate towards that. Even as a coach, if if you are a coach that puts yourself above everyone else and like you don't have that, you know that that uh that attitude of like people can approach you or, you know, like back in the day in jujitsu, you can't roll with black. You can't ask a black belt to roll like they're mm-hmm. on a pedestal. I do. I just don't see how that is even possible. It's
0: got to be a miserable existence because you feel like you always feel like you have to be on. Yeah. And I think like, so two things that come to mind when you said that, number one, the, I, I, I actually teach my sons this, um, it's something I've, I spoke with my oldest boy a lot about is the, the first thing is that the, person that tells the truth. I usually say, you just say the man that tells the truth is the the man in the room that tells that is the most truthful is always going to be the most powerful. That's the first thing. Second thing is that when you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. So it's like when, when I try to be like just authentic as I possibly can with people um, and I'm imperfect. there are times where I say something, I'm like, man, that wasn't right. Like, why'd you say that? Um, and I analyze that and I try to be better next time I'm in that situation. But, um, with with jujitsu, I try to be very like sh- transparent with like, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Or like, or, lately I won't even try to show a thing that I have not practiced or done myself because I just feel like it's like, I didn't just, wa- I would never want to look like, which is what I used to look like in the past. I would watch a video and I'd come show it that day. Now it's like, no dude, I'm watching videos. I'm trying that crap before I come in. Like I've, Learn a couple of different ways. I got dropbacks to things that I can't, like I had five different ways I could have went yesterday with class. Yeah. Cause it was just like, well, if this goes poorly, uh, like I worried about that, um, that roll through that we did for the armbar. I worried that people weren't going to get it and everybody started to get it. And I was like, good. Cause if not, I was going to work on like, well, hopping to an S mount pressure. And then if a person push over, what can you do? You can armbar them from top. So like, I already kind of had like which directions I would go based off what they gave me. Um, but, yeah, so, like, just being as truthful as you can all the time is a much safer place to be, especially with the podcast because you're out in the ether. People are – there
1: there's, This is going to be here forever. <clears throat> yeah,
0: yeah. Even if I delete it, someone's got it. Someone's. <laughs> somebody pirated that stuff for <laughs> sure. Yeah, dude, for yeah. sure.
1: So as, as, as you're coaching in jiu-jitsu, and um, I know as a coach in CrossFit, right, so we would see – triage, right? Always work on the person that you see has the biggest issues and kind of touch the, the people that are more experienced just so they feel like they're noticed, right? Mm-hmm. In jiu-jitsu, there could be times when the whole class is needs to be triaged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: How, how do you approach that? Um, good question. So I think I actually try to, lately, in the past, I would just try to address it. All right, guys, seems like everybody's messing up here and I bring us back, back in and kind of do the thing Now, I try to, and this is—it's—it's it's interesting when I make curriculum now, like for my day or I make my plan. I come at it through the ecological lens mm. of like if I had to make this into game based what would it look right. like? So, um, even yesterday, like I do not I, I don't think I got to where I showed an entry, did I? Into S mount. Into into no, I no, didn't no, show no, an Entry right, yeah. which is where the progression is going, right? So, I kind of begin with the end in mind, and then I back out of that. So it's just like when we teach to clean, what do we teach first? The thing that people are going to mess up the most, which is the jump and catch. So we Mm -hmm. go there first, and we go through each position. Now I do that in jiu-jitsu to where I think, like, you know, we're going through armbar. bar. I, we don't think we finished one arm bar yesterday. Yeah. I just kind of set you guys in the position right before the finish. And then we worked on, like, control with the legs, control with the arms, different body movements based off of responses. Like, that's kind of the lens that I went through. So in the past, I would do just kind of like a bulk triage of, like, what was the most gross fault inside of everybody making the mistake. Now I just simply try to make my curriculum in a way to where when I come to the session that day, um, when I come to the session that day, I'm set up in a way to – maybe negate some of those major faults happening already versus like, okay, guys, we're like yesterday. So yesterday when I taught class, we went through um, arm bars essentially from the top position, right? We started in a seated position perpendicular to our partner, arm between our legs. We worked on good connection through our legs. And then we worked on um, different reactions based off of what your, your opponent did against you, right? So that is a different lens versus like, okay, guys, today we're starting in mount. We're gonna to move to S mount into the arm bar. We've done eight steps now, and we're finishing the arm bar. Now everybody screws everything up. Yeah. So it's just I've kind of negated all of that in my preparation, but that's due to looking at it through the lens of like, well, if I was gonna teach this ecological, what would I do? I'd start him in the arm bar and kind of back out of that, right? Um, so that's kind of the approach that I've taken recently, and I've actually found with that because I've been doing that a lot. I'd say the past three, four months of me coaching, because um, part of that Sean was doing it, um, I found that that's actually eliminated a lot of the correction that has to happen because I, I, had a, I didn't have to go through 20 steps to get to the, you know, the major faults. It's like I just started with the most simple three steps or the, the most difficult three steps in the entire sequence and I'm gonna back out of that. before. So the last day of this whole sequence, or this whole like, cycle, we're gonna have a sequence all the way to all of our finishes. But how many times did you practice that armbar position yesterday? How many times did you practice the S-mount switch? How many times did you practice the, the stacking position? Like It was just, we're getting those reps in and now when I get to the entry, it's like, oh dude, I know how to finish. I've done this for two days already. Instead of doing, uh, again, mount, transmission, S-mount, here's one armbar. Mount, transition to s you know what I mean? Like, by the time like, you get there, like, there's just so many things that can go wrong it, again, it'd be equivalent to teaching the clean right from the shin, right off the jump, versus starting from top down.
1: Yeah, and when I forgot who said it, but they were, it was a, a ecological guy, maybe it was Kit Dale um, or some someone else. I, I don't remember who it was, but they're talking about how how they teach single legs, how they teach takedowns. They're like, "What I'm going to do is I'm going to throw you in a single leg, and you're going to fight having a single leg." And then I don't need to worry about you getting into an entry because you're gonna be so confident that you can finish the single leg that you're gonna once you get there, you're good. Yeah. You're like you don't because I feel like um to your point, to I think it's great to do the submission as many times as possible uh, without finishing it, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's gonna cause a lot of wear and tear on people. But I think it builds the confidence that when people get there, they're not like, oh my God, I got an arm bar. I need to grip and rip as Mm -hmm. fast as possible and finish it. Like it just makes a safer environment because we, we have the repetitions, we have the reps there. Like we're like, okay, I have an arm bar. I remember now, like, just hold on to it. I'm not worried about not knowing how to finish yeah. it because I've, I've done two weeks of finishing an arm bar, you know, and then because I feel like the transition into an arm bar is a lot easier to get to than finishing the arm bar, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So how how do you approach when you when you see new people and they're struggling with with certain aspects of jujitsu in their game, and you're like, okay, how how can I make them feel more confident in this, even though they're beginners and the only time you're gonna really build confidence is doing it. But how do you kind of like start implementing it to where these people are going the right path to where they can, be, they can grow faster, I guess you could say.
0: I look at, so <clears throat> I look at number one, like what, where do I wanna get them to? And then I back out and I say, well, what would be a win for them today? So perfect example is we have in our fundamental session, we have two teenage faces and they're not um and and then i can go into a whole rant with like kids jujitsu and stuff like that too but they're not what you would say like super athletic super like they're not good with like spatial awareness and stuff like that right they just don't have that body awareness they don't have that. that yeah they don't have that command of their body yet and they how they do things versus you know maybe some of the adults in the session are different versus like we have a client who's a little bit older, or a little bit shorter, that just kind of just struggles with things, right? So I always kind of revert to like, okay, where am I trying to get to today? And again, this I, I would argue this goes with like the same way we talk about like games really matter and the way you do, and whether whether those games are put together well or not can, can call for the success in that game or not or in that environment or not. So curriculum is a big deal in the planning of that too, because you can negate some of this stuff, like I said. But I think... I look at, like, where do, where am I trying to get in this session today? What is a win for them, right? Like, based off of their current, like, setup, and I'm triaging, I'm looking at some of the gross faults, like, you know, for the arm bar as an example, like, are they, you know, are are they getting are they getting to a good finishing position with their knees pinned together and their big toes crossed and they've got, you know, pressure on the face and on top of the chest? Like, are they there? Do they have the arm held properly? Like, I'll kind of look at those things. And if they're really struggling, then I kind of just need to paint a picture in my head as a coach to where, like, what would make them feel as if they are winning today and be as close to the picture I'm trying to paint as possible and then trying to get there? Or there's also this analogy of, you know, we're, we're, we're all, in, I said this yesterday when we were coaching class for the armbar with the advanced class. I said, if you're struggling, if you struggle with the roll through for the armbar, continue to practice the thing before. So I said those things to say because when, when I'm coaching people, I imagine as if we're driving on a highway Right, And on that highway, each exit is another progression in the, the difficulty of things. And maybe I drop them off at this exit and continue with the group to this exit, but I can always circle back around and kind of check in on them. And they're still doing the, the main path. We're still following it. I'm getting them a win. In my mind, what is a win for them today and what makes them feel good about what they're doing? And then I continue for dropping people off at exits. And I do it in fundamentals. I, do it in the, I did it in the advanced class yesterday, um, which is always encouraging because I never want to what I, here's what I, here's a, here's a fault of mine. In the past, if I looked around the gym and one group is just, one person in a group is just completely off, not getting it. I would try to correct it a couple times and then I would just let it go. They're just not going to get it. Now I look at it like, well, Hey, well, what is a win for them in this environment today? And let's work on that instead. If it's something slightly different than everybody else, Cool. Like I'm not going to tell certain people with, you know, really short legs to try to get into this perfect, perfect, uh, perfect triangle position with oh boy, who's got a you know, a, a freaking 60 foot wide shoulder base, right? Yeah. Like, well, so I'm going to give them something a little bit different. Maybe I give them another variation, whatever it may be. But I'm going to give them. I'm gonna give them a win that day and in my head they're as close to that picture as I can get them. And then I always just gotta remember as I, as I progress them forward, I gotta keep putting touches on that photo or on that picture as I continue to go and just again, continuing to get them wins. Because my goal is to keep them coming, to keep them coming back and learning jujitsu. and if I make them feel like crap because they're not doing the move that day, they're never gonna come back anyways. You know, maybe they find them, and again, if, if I go into the self-defense conversation, maybe that person's jujitsu that they would have learned later on could prevent them from being in some sort of altercation, whatever that may be. But I say all those things to say, what is a win for them? How can I get them? I have a picture in my head for that day. How can I get that person as close to that picture as possible and make them feel like they are succeeding and also like walk out of there not feeling like I failed them that day, which is something that keeps me up at night sometimes. So when, when it
1: comes to um, coaching at, or you as a coach, where did you feel that you had gained the most uh change like what at what Mm -hmm. point in your coaching your coaching whether it's jujitsu crossfit business or whatever where uh or even coaching coaches right where did you feel was the biggest like aha moment where you're like shit i should probably start doing it more
0: this way Mm -hmm. um hopefully this is an unconventional answer but um a few years ago i read this book called principles not principles um yeah i think it was principles I could be complete. Influence is what it was called. Mm. Um, but uh, Robert Caldini. Yeah, I got that book now. Yeah, it's great, right? I mean, it's like a... I haven't read it yet. It's but like I'm, a honker textbook. After right? this one, I'm going to read it's it. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. But um, like understanding... Because it, it teaches you like how to influence and like they, they call them um, compliance professionals, which is like a marketer basically. But I guess I didn't realize how much in like communication and in coaching and, and in day-to-day life, how much... Like how much just understanding like psychology of people really mattered. And it's been very interesting because like ever since I read that book and then I I went into another book called Persuasion and like how and and you see it in the world with like politics and stuff like that, like how people can be so manipulated and can be like talked into a thing. But it's just like when you really understand how people are influenced or how people are influenced and then like their like basic needs, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like Mm -hmm. when you start to really understand those things. I feel like it, like it helped me with people. It helped me to be a better coach. It really helps me to be a better salesman, right? Because that's an art, that's a skill in itself. But like, um, I would say when I really embr- embraced like the understanding of like how to influence behavior, um, that was like the biggest change for me. And again, those books were Influence and Persuasion. They're both by Robert Caldini. Um, when I read that book, I started to kind of see, like, be able to see through things that people would say to me, and I could see through the way that people would act. And, and I could just see it everywhere. So um, it was as if I had been like, what is it, red-pilled or blue-pilled, yeah. whatever maybe. I felt like I was red-pilled and I could just like see through things. So um, that's probably the biggest thing for me coaching-wise that like completely changed everything I do. And that was probably like three years ago. What, what other books
1: would you recommend someone wanting to get better at coaching should read?
0: Mm. Um, I think leadership books in general are always pretty good. Leader, leader Who Had No Title leader leader without a title is a really good one that's um robin sharma that's a great book um trying to think what else um i think it's a book called legacy it's essentially a story about i think it's legacy but it's a story about the new zealand all blacks and they talk about like how one of one of their like slogans in in the all blacks is like no dicks allowed so basically like like it, it talks They're all about males though. Yeah, no. but, it, <laughs> right. but it just talks about like how they built culture in that yeah. rugby organization, and um, it goes back to like from, from the leadership down how they've created a winning system based off of that. but I think like coaching wise, like you're a leader, right like I, I, I got patches for our, our our youth kids who helped the minion session, and it says youth leader on it because like I want, I want. I believe leaders make other leaders, right? So I want to create other leaders because I even thought about with our coaches, don't put coach on the back, put leader on the back. Because I think like when it comes to being a great coach, you gotta be a great leader. You have to, you have to create followable excellence. You have to be a person that does what they say they're going to do when they're going to do it for people. Um, You have to show up consistently for people. And I think that all kind of flows back into like the leadership bucket. So extreme ownership, literally any leadership book out there you can possibly think of is probably a good place to go as a coach. Because when you start to understand, like, you're not just a person facilitating a room, that you're actually leading them through an experience, an environment, an art, a a fitness resume, whatever it is, like you are – you are leading them through this thing. When you really embrace the leadership side of it, I think that can, like, level up 10x your your dang coaching overnight if you read a book.
1: One thing that I talk about a lot uh, when it comes to coaches, and uh, you know, a lot of times, people think high level competitor equals high level coach, and it couldn't <laughs> be further from the truth. because yeah. I know you've you've produced you know regional athletes in CrossFit, and you've competed at a high level in pretty much everything that you do. And I'm sure it's not everyone that you trained under was a world champ. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how, how what ac- – not accolades. What do you look for in a coach to follow them? Because um, I know you have a lot of coaches in your personal life right now yeah, too. Too, too, so.
0: <laughs> too much into it. Um, I think sometimes coaches – what qualities that I look for for coaching, <clears throat> first and foremost, is – I always use the terms like followable excellence. <clears throat> do they – do they do they seem worthy of being followed? Is the first thing right? Are because, they charlatan? Right? <laughs> are they are they selling me some snake oil or whatever? Maybe like I don't want. Um, I have to believe that that person is who they say they are, and they they live a life because when when I hire coaches, they generally they generally have created a level of success that I am searching for in some realm: jiu-jitsu, business, fitness um recently like i've hired like like christian mentors like because they have they have reached a level of success inside of a thing they have achieved a level of excellence that i would like to achieve too so i'm going to go and i'm going to get as close to that fire as i can cuz i want some of that smoke right so it's like for me when i'm looking to hire a coach it's like does that person have a level that i want and then I'm going to go get as close to that person as I can because I want, to, I want to feed off of their greatness. Not because I'm trying to mooch off of them or I'm trying to be a time vampire. I definitely don't want to be an asshole to where I ask people for things and don't implement. But I want to get next to a coach that has a level of excellence in a thing that I want. And I'm going to go learn everything that that I can from that person. And you probably noticed from watching me over the years is I've got coaches, different coaches all the time. I'm always kind of moving on because it's like I go, I learn everything I can from this person, and then I move to the next person, and then I move to the next person. And I just – to me, success and creating a level of, like, growth in your life, like, that, that is – Going to come on the other side of character traits and skill sets, right? So, if a person has a character trait, I'm going to go learn that character trait. If a person has a skill set, I'm going to go learn that skill set. And I and I pretty much just move from thing to thing. Same thing with books. That, that like, I don't just read books because I like to read books. I read books because I have a deficiency in a thing, and I'm going to read a book in that in that thing. Right now, I'm like really trying to dive into branding because I want mm. this to be a, a freaking brand that sticks, right? I'm reading a book called Primal Branding right now. I don't even know the, the author. I found it on Amazon. I heard a guy talk on a podcast talk about it, but it's like. Wherever my deficiency is, I'm going to go get a coach. That coach has to have followable excellence in that thing, and then I'm going to stay with them until I feel like I learned everything I can from that person or until I get a feeling that maybe they are not who they say they are and I kind of move on.
1: One person you should, if you're looking at branding, you should look at Chris Doe. He's uh, mm-hmm. the future on YouTube. Okay. Um he also runs a marketing branding company, and he talks a lot about how to build your personal brand and how to charge clients and everything like that. And one thing he, he always gets in trouble about, is like, you shouldn't negotiate price with people. If they're negotiating price, they're not the customer you're looking for. Nope. You let them know that what it is is, is this price. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm sure that's something that you've probably dealt with You know that internal monologue of am I charging too much? Like, what am I offering for Mm -hmm. x amount of dollars a month? How do you how do you not justify? Because you don't need to justify because it's your business. But how 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 do you go back and forth with that internal monologue of not feeling like you're overcharging someone or undercharging someone?
0: Mm -hmm. Self worth, like you really got to feel a certain way about yourself. I think, and and then like, so every year, like we're getting ready to set goals as a team this year. Every year. I, I set goals for my personal life, right? I, I call it my, my map, if you Matter of fact, this Saturday with our Mighty Men's group, I don't know if you're planning to come to that or not, but like we're going to talk about like goals and setting goals for yourself because I think sometimes th- there's a lot of conversation about goals, but it's usually like a person says they're going to do a thing and it's just kind of open-ended and, you know, there's this thing for a while you set smart goals and stuff like that, uh, which, is, which is good if you follow it, but most people don't. So for me, it's like, okay, I want to forecast out a year from now and I look at my life in four categories faith family fitness and finance and I say hey I'm going to forecast out 20 or you know 12 months from now and I'm going to think big picture and I'm going to tell lies about myself in each one of those categories right then I'm going to reverse plan in 90 day increments and I'm going to create again, actionable things that I can kind of do from there. And then I'm going to make those lies into truth. Right. So I think when it comes to, so, so to get back to your question of like, how do I charge and, 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 and battle that internal dialogue is now something I've always struggled with again, being authentic. Um, you know, I created an identity for myself this year. A lot of times people will say like, well, Travis, who are you? When you get interviewed on a podcast, who are you? Well, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Blue Belt, and um, I'm a podcaster, whatever. That's your worldly identity, right? Versus I come through the lens of like a godly identity. So um, I'm a man of honor, certainty, and discipline, and then I'm a warrior for God. Like that's my identity statement when somebody asks me who I am, which it Sometimes for people, it's like too much, but it is what it is. <laughs> but that's what I believe about myself. But I spoke those over myself because they were lies initially, because I'm, I'm, I was not super disciplined when I started saying that. I definitely wasn't certain, and I struggled with like gossiping and stuff like that, and I didn't honor people as well, and as, well, as, well as I should have. Um, and again, that all ties back to what I said earlier in the podcast about like being a, a representative and an ambassador for Jesus, right? So for me— <clears throat> When it comes to the price conversation, and this is this is something that my team has had to get off of me, right? They had to, like, because initially when I started upping prices, they are like, dude, why are you charging so much? We had a jujitsu client here who was like, man, I brought a friend to you, and you told him what you charge now versus what you used to charge. Like, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. Because I believe that's what we're worth, right? You'll pay six bucks for a coffee, but you want to pay X, Y, Z for a price of jujitsu where yeah. I'm spending an hour with you instead of with my family. Do you see this gym? It's, it's huge, right? Yeah. So yeah. This ain't cheap. You know what I'm saying? So to, to your question, I think you have to really believe that you are worth the thing you are. And if you're not yet, if that is a lie, right? Again, I mentioned I tell lies about myself and then I make them truth across 12 months. If you set a price point for yourself and then you say you're worth that and you know, you're not, then that's a you problem, right? That's, that's a, like, you need to become the person that does that. So when somebody comes in here like, man, you guys charge a lot for jujitsu. I'm like, yeah, we're really good. Yeah. And like, I mean that. And and now we've, we get people that travel through. I mean, I've got guys that hit up other gyms and they're like, man, like, they're not doing what we're doing. Yeah. At least not in the local area. Right. And, and people charge more than what I do for less. So, you know what I mean? So I'm going to charge a fair price for a, a, a level of value that I believe in my heart we are worth and the people that believe we're worth will stay and the people that don't, don't, you know? And so the internal dialogue doesn't happen anymore. It used to happen a lot. I'm like, man, is this really worth it? And I'll say, no, we're worth that. It's okay if you don't want to pay that, that's fine. You won't find anything better. And I mean that. So it's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at now to answer that question.
1: How do you you promote an environment to where, whether it's your coaches, the students, the athletes, anyone that's underneath this, these these four walls or eight walls and <laughs> two roofs, yeah. uh, how how do you ensure that you're promoting an environment to where when people do hear the price, when they do you know search around and whatnot, that that they know the value is there? Because it's easy to say, well, that's how much we're worth, but mm-hmm. if someone walks in and they see a shit show and they're like you're out of your mind if you think that's Mm -hmm. worth, like, how do you promote the environment to ensure that that, that, follows through that lie that might've been told a while ago is now Mm -hmm. a truth.
0: Um, and again, like we try to be as perfect as we can. Um, and we're not perfect all the time at this, but I think it starts with like, again, back to leadership of like, here's the, here's the expectation. I mean, even when you were coaching, like I wanted to look at your curriculum, we would share and I'd give you feedback. It was really good. So usually it wasn't like I had to change anything, you know, but like, I think sometimes it's like, and this is, I've been, I was weak as as a leader in this situation before to where, like, I would struggle with, like, calling people out on certain things. You probably remember when you were on the team before, I would struggle to say something to people. Now...
1: And we'd always bring it up to you, like, your friends would be like, Cody... Yeah, you yeah. got to say something. I know, or you got to speak up. So
0: I'm so much better about it. I'm not perfect, but I'm much better at it about it now because of that reason. Because like we're not charging $9.99 per month to work out here. Like, I recently heard uh, that there's a there's a gym local to here that like it doesn't even know who pays and who doesn't pay in their gym. You know, and it's a pretty successful gym, and people often compare me to them. And like, well, they only charge hundred bucks. We'll go to there. They're not gonna know yeah. if you're there or not. You know, yeah. like you know what I mean. So, I think for us, like to to make sure that I leadership. Doing the things that I'm asking my team to do, being prepared, showing up, not like a bag of crap, like, you know, coming with a presence of mind, talking to people, getting to know them. Like, I think that comes from setting, setting personal values for yourself and leading yourself in a certain way, but also injecting your personal values and who you are as a person into the business, too. That's probably why this gym suffered so much on this side for so long before is because, like, I didn't give it the time that it needed, um, Versus like now, like I eat, sleep and breathe both sides. It's not like one side gets more than the other. They both get me probably more than, more than most people probably want, more than my family definitely want sometimes. But like, um, I think that standard starts with the person setting the setting, like this is who we are. This is what we do here. This is the, the level of, of presentation we're trying to do. When I was learning about like the Gracie stuff and how I wanted to kind of change the curriculum, I said like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I came to you guys and like, that's, that's what we change. And then like back to the, the influence, the marketing, the sales. And you got to sell the people who are going to do that. You got to sell it on them. So I had to sit down with the jujitsu team two, three months ago. And I said, this is what we're going. Here's why I got them really excited about it. And I was like this like hype man. And I'm cheering and I'm all excited about it and like now they're just we're walking in step together. We're talking about things together. You know, like we're on the same page. We're we're all the team is excited about where we're going and they give me ideas and then like they, they also know that like I don't shut their shut down their ideas. So when I give them feedback because I I allow their feedback to come, they're more willing to hear my feedback now. If that answers your question. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for people
1: that are like newer to Jiu-Jitsu, and, you know, say they just got promoted to blue or they're been blue belt or they're a white belt in there. They're like, I love jujitsu. Got nipped by the bug. I want to do this forever. Uh, and they eventually want to transition into coaching. What do you think they could do the best in order to promote that in, within themselves or enable to show their their academy, their black belt, their instructor, whoever it is, that mm. this person would be a good coach?
0: Yeah um so you're, you're asking the question you're asking me. what i'm hearing you say is you for the white belt the blue belt who is not currently a coach that wants to become one how do they make themselves appealing to the yeah. leadership and if
1: you guys are hearing stuff in the background it's because the crossfit's going on yeah, the other we're, side.
0: this is live they're coming at you well it's not live when you are listening to it but um it could be yeah yeah we should do that next time um yeah so i think like if i was looking for a coach number one um i always look at like likability like, you know, like if people hated you and they're like, oh, Travis is a real jerk, I would have never asked you to coach. Right. But you're a likable dude. People enjoy you. You make people laugh. You make people feel comfortable. You're always super helpful when like new faces are on the mat. You're like, hey, I'll be partners with that person. Like when I look for coaches, person again, I don't ever want to say like what a person should do. I want to say what I've done as a owner, as a leader of the jujitsu side. I look for that. Are they likable? right? Like are, I don't want any butt heads on my, on my team. Right. So are they good to their wife? Do they love their kids? If they've got like an estranged wife and like their kids hate them and like, they're always here and they got a family. and like, I don't know, like coming in to smell like
1: alcohol, you're pr- cigarettes, you're probably
0: that. not going to be a good fit, you know? And you know, what's beautiful about our environment. There are people here that were smoking and drinking and stuff like that before and they don't anymore. Yeah, Like that's like, it's like, it's like pushed out of you because you're like, wow, they don't do that. I'm look stupid if I do that, you know? So, um, What I look for as an owner and as a leader, and I'm assuming that any other self-respecting gym owner that has a good cultured environment, they're probably looking most importantly, um, sure, know jujitsu right or at least care about knowing more jujitsu but more importantly like are you a good likable person so if like you want to be a coach and you suck as a person you're always talking smack like everybody hates you like you're always hurting people like you're never going to coach at least not in my gym versus if like you're super likable people enjoy your company you know how to make people laugh like you, you can feel the leadership energy on people sometimes like if you if you show and you put off that sort of energy into an environment, I think it'll kind of na- you'll naturally ascend into a coaching position. Just because that's where I've seen everybody go in my environment, anyways.
1: Yeah, because I definitely feel. I think an- another funny thing is, you know, you and I grew as coaches quite a bit in the CrossFit side. Did like, our we level two together? Did baby. our level yeah, two man. together? You know, <laughs> and it was an eye opener going to that level two because yeah, we were like, you own a you own gyms mm-hmm. like. Like, you guys can't explain a push press, you know? And I think I think a lot of people, and especially in jujitsu, jitsu they say, you know, oh, I'm, I love jujitsu. I'm pretty good at jiu-jitsu, I love CrossFit, I'm good at CrossFit, and then they're like, I want to become a coach, and then they start doing it, and they're like, this is freaking hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. Time management, knowing names, explaining techniques, you know what I mean? Understanding how to break it down in a level to where people can – can digest it, you know, and I think that's a big issue that we have in jujitsu. Is a lot of times there'll be a fifteen-step technique, and the people are lost in the weeds, bro. They're like,
0: "Where?" <laughs> three, it's two, like, one, clap. It's We're like, like, it's like when we make content, right? Like, how hard is it to not make content for your colleagues? Yeah. Versus like your 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 average listener that probably listens to your show. Even like as a guy who makes content, sometimes it's like. I want to make stuff that's, like, higher level because I want my coach friends to read in, like, that that was good, dude. Yeah. Like, that was good. Nice job, bro. Pat on the back. Versus, like, no, nah, you know, uh, uh, Mrs. Jones, who's 45, who's overweight, like, she probably needs to see that. And more recently for me, like, my avatar tends to be, like, men, right? So, like, I need to make it to them instead of my colleagues. But I think it's the same thing with, like, um, when you're, like, coaching and stuff like that. It's, like, you got to meet people who have no idea what you're talking about where they are. Maybe they don't want to know – the 27 John 27 step John Donaher approach to an arm bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which (laughs) guilty as charged guys. Like I've done it literally me, you know? So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, I think just like understanding like, Hey man, like what good is all of your knowledge? If nobody freaking gets it.
1: Yeah. 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 And if you – you kind of got to, like, learn how to read a room, too. Mm-hmm. I know there's been times when I was coaching CrossFit and you would look around and people are glass-eyed and they're <laughs> yeah. exhausted from the warm-ups yeah, and man. whatnot. And you're like, okay, I should probably keep yeah, moving down on. Down. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and I, that was one thing, too, that, uh, you know, you implemented a couple years ago. It's like you would start shadowing. Mm-hmm. P- people start shadowing or – which I think was great. And I think for jiu-jitsu that might be good, too, for new coaches mm-hmm. is to have – you know, a more experienced coach, yeah. like, like, Hey, uh, like one thing and Keegan talks about and I keep forgetting to tell him, like, Hey, maybe you should say this, but he will say, turn your ulna up for like the ankle lock. And I'm like, just say, go like hitchhike, like yeah. t- point your thumb up or whatever. Like it might be an easier, blade Q- your arm. yeah. Yeah. That blade of your arm, like turn it up because I, I, we, we used to say it back in the day, like keep your core engaged. And you're like, what does that even mean? How is, how is the mother of four coming off the street that has no fitness ever and Mm. wants to get healthier is going to understand keeping your core engaged.
0: Hey, cough. You feel that? Yeah. Keep it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Flex your stomach like you're
1: trying to show abs. You know what I mean? One cue I used to say, instead of like kicking your hips back or shooting your butt back or whatever, I used to say, stick your butt out like you're taking a booty picture on Instagram. (laughs) And people would laugh and they're like, that's good. You know, or stick your butt out like you're trying to close the fridge. Yeah. They're thinking
0: of every influencer that is. Yeah. Right. You know
1: what I mean? And so how, how as a coach, do you navigate? Cues and uh, feedback into where you're not t- doing. You know, John is successful because he's John Danaher. Mm. But no offense, Cody, you're not John Danaher. I don't you're have a dude. <laughs> so how, how do you how, how do you know what is a a good cue and a bad cue
0: when you're coaching? Um, I don't know. If there's bad cues. I think there's good cue. There's 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 better cues and there's not so good cues. Like, okay, so there is bad cues, but ultimately, like. I have not seen things that were like completely out to lunch. It's generally like, well, we could have said that a little bit better, right? Um, So ultimately, I think there's macro-micro in coaching, right? So when you're showing technique, it's probably good to maybe be somewhere in between based off of who's in the room, right? More advanced people, it's probably okay to go more into the weeds with things, right? For us, we have such a diverse environment that like I try to kind of split the middle, right? I try to go somewhere in the middle of like the micro-macro stuff. But as far as like... When I'm in a macro environment, I will kind of go as deep as I need to to reach as many people as possible in that environment. And then as I go, meaning macro, a bunch of people, micro, one to two people in a small group, right? When When I'm macro, I'll maybe go less deep. And then as I'm going around to other people and I'm making my rounds in between like technique and bringing people back together and stuff like that, that's when maybe based off of whoever I'm going with, whoever I'm talking to, whoever I'm coaching, I'll go in as deep as that person probably needs and give them, I want to do as much as possible with the least amount possible. So do more with less is what I was going to say. Yeah, dude. So I want to go and I want to get this person, give this person enough energy or enough explanation enough cueing to get them where they need to be and then stop there maybe the more advanced person i'm going to cue them a little bit more and go a little bit deeper with them
1: yeah that's yeah. great so but hey we've been going for quite some time the other side's Dang about man. to start actually working out and i don't want to get uh, copyrighted from the music that's going to no, be playing you know that? <laughs> yeah. so if you give one piece of advice to a brand new white belt day one mm. what would it be
0: mm. oh, that's a hard question travis um Best advice for a wipeout is take your time. You're, you're not going to know anything. Jiu jitsu is the only art you can't grow very fast in. Now you can create a level, you can get to a certain level. How do I explain that? I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to paint this picture in my head. You're likely not going to become a world champion in a year right? So be okay with that and be okay with making mistakes. Don't try to settle in on a style. Don't try to settle in on like trying to go and win every competition. Like look at it as this is a come into it with a long-term mindset of like, this is going to take longer than I expected. And it's going to be harder than I expected. Perfect. And if people want to follow you, where can they find you at? So you can check me out on Instagram. I'm uh, at Coach Cody Smith on Instagram. You can also check out our gyms. We have um, two fitness gyms. Um, it is at Virtuous Fitness WA and at Virtuous Fitness ID because we just opened our gym in Idaho. And then we have our grappling gym here at Virtuous Grappling.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for coming on again, man. This is a great conversation. No technical issues besides the camera almost dying. It's going to be a good day. You know what I'm saying? I was listening to Creed on the way. Can you (laughs) turn me? (laughs) Classic. So so thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. Remember, go check out Cody. We have him a follow, like, describe, or subscribe, whatever, five stars, all that stuff. And uh, remember, no L-Trek's here. Peace.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Virtuous Coach Podcast. Please leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to if you enjoyed the show. This helps us to grow and reach more people with the intent of helping people grow through the Create Yourself mindset. See you on the next episode.